0: This is the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen, a weekly audio podcast that covers everything sports in the Dayton and Cincinnati, Ohio
1: region. No faffing around. No unnecessary chatter. No
0: focusing on that school in Columbus like other shows. Just good, honest, local sports happening in Southwest Ohio, Northern Kentucky, and East Central
1: Indiana. Be sure to bookmark syndaypod.com for ways to
0: listen and podcast merchandise. Theme song by Kevin McLeod on freepd.com. Here's your host, Lee W. Mallon.
1: Yes, it's that time again. It's time for local sports. It's too bad Dayton Radio just doesn't get it. Anyway, welcome back to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. And if you're wondering why there wasn't any episode last week, well, let's just say life's taking a funny turn. I don't really want to get into it, but yeah. So let's start off with high school football. And I know what you're thinking. You're going to catch us up on weeks four and five scores. No, I'm not. We're doing something different this week. We're going to go over the computer points. From Joe Idol and tell you how the local teams are faring. Of all the tabs of the local divisions and regions of the local schools, and we're going to run through all the teams. Remember, in Ohio this year, for the first time ever, 16 teams in each region will make the playoffs, which in Division One, well, that means. A- one or two schools might not get in per region but when you get to division 2 all the way through division 7 which are your smallest schools in ohio you start to chop off some of these schools that don't make the computer points again this is from joeidol.com this is a website that's been running since 2000 and this gentleman does a very fine job of keeping track of the points it's unofficial, but it might as well be official. It's very close to the real thing. As we're in week six, tonight is Football Friday, of course. And last night, there are a few Thursday night football games, especially in the Dayton area. But let's go ahead and start with Division I, Region Two. Now, mostly, this is Columbus and Dayton and Middletown. Middletown, the only... Non-Region 4 Cincinnati area team. They're part of the Dayton-Columbus branch. And right now, on top, with 12.84 current average points, Marysville. Just a skimming ahead of the Springfield Wildcats. What a great year that Springfield's having. And in third place at a 4-1 record, the Centerville Elks. It's nice to see Centerville recharge through. It's great to see Springfield as strong as ever. Then at fourth place, you have Dublin Jerome, Olin Tangi Liberty in fifth place. In sixth place, the Kettering Fairmont Firebirds. And out of Springboro, Toledo Whitmer, Dublin Kaufman in ninth place. You might know Dublin Kaufman for hosting not one but two Cincinnati area teams. Then you have Huber Heights Wayne in 10th place, Perrysburg, Miamisburg in 12th place, Finley, Northmont, Delaware Hayes. And right now there's a three team tie for 16th place between O5, Beaver Creek, Middletown and Toledo start. Yes, there is one or two Toledo teams in Division one region two, which uh, does OHSAA know about regions? Because yeah, that's uh that's a bit of a hike, especially if Whitmer stays in the top eight. that means they're hosting week 11. And that means number nine, which would be right now Dublin-Kaufman, which, yeah, Columbus, it's not great. Actually, it's maybe a little bit farther because they don't have direct access to 75 to get up to Toledo, but there you go. So again, top 16 teams make it. So pretty much two teams will be left in the dust for Division One, Region Two, Marysville, and Springfield again 4-0. Centerville and Dublin Jerome 4-1. Olin Tangy, Liberty at 3-2. Fairmont's 4-1. Springboro's 3-1. Toledo Whitmer 4-1. Dublin Kaufman 2-3. Keep in mind it's computer points. So if you play a really tough team and still lose, that's why you're up there. Wayne, Perrysburg, Miamisburg all 3-2. Finley and Northmont 2 and excuse me. Finley's 2-3. Northmont's 2-2. Delaware Hayes is 2-3, and, and again, Beaver Creek Middletown start tight for 16th place at 0-5. And, and what makes that really fun, no computer points, so it's really going to come down to who had the tougher schedule of the three. Well, then again, we still have five more weeks to go, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, yep. So let's move on to the Cincinnati Bruiser, Division I, Region 4 as the nickname I just gave suggests, these are teams in Cincinnati. I think the farthest north is Lebanon. So let's begin. Tops, and rightfully so, 5-0 St. Xavier. And followed up with Archbishop Mueller. The only loss was to the Bombers in spectacular fashion. The Bombers, 5-0 now. Milford, also tied with Archbishop Muller's record at 4-1, along with Lakota East. Princeton and Lakota West. Yes, Princeton's in fifth place. Lakota West is in sixth place. And you might wonder, well, Lakota West shut out Princeton in dominating fashion. So why is Princeton ahead of the team that beat them and hand them their lone loss? Has to do with who Lakota West has beaten, who Princeton's beat, which, you know, Princeton's beat Anderson, Loveland and Dublin Kaufman. Loveland and Dublin Kaufman on the road and then Fairfield who's further on down the list. Didn't see, expect to see Fairfield so far down, but we'll get to that in a minute. So that's your top 6 teams. Remember 16 make it. 7th place Cole Rain 3 and 2. Sycamore, then Mason 2 and 3. Good start for Mason on the year but then kind of tailed off. Walnut Hills sitting at 2 and 3 as well in 10th place followed by Hamilton. Elder at 1-3, and Western Hills, Fairfield, West Claremont, Lebanon, and Oak Hills. So right now, it looks like if the season were to end, Lebanon would get the edge in the 16th seed than Oak Hills. I think that's how you read the Joe Idol standings. But yeah, only one team in Region 4. Will not make the playoffs, but you want to be in the top eight so you can host in the first week of the playoffs. And again, it's St. Axe, Moeller, Milford, Lakota East, Princeton, Lakota West, Colerain, and Sycamore due to host a playoff game. Just tell you what's on the slate of Princeton next. Heading to Ho- Oak Hills tonight. I'll be my first trip to Oak Hills, and I hope that I don't get lost on the way. I've studied the directions. Quite some time. It's by Harrison Avenue, if you know that section. It's pretty close to Indiana. But Oak Hills next, then Middletown on the road. Sycamore at home, then Mason on the road, followed by Cole Rain, Week 10 at home. So definitely looking forward to all those games and just looking forward to hitting the gridiron again in fall-like temperatures. It's only supposed to get up to 72 degrees today. But last night we had a real... Nice day of fall, because the previous few days have been nothing but rain, rain, rain. So again, that's Division One, Region 4 for you. My Prince Vikings currently in fifth place at the moment, but still a lot can happen. I will say, last week in the 28-27 win over Fairfield, I didn't expect a blowout like what was brewing last season. But then again, I didn't expect it that close as well. A missed extra point by Fairfield, donking it off the far goalpost. Princeton held on for the win. Really bad fumble late. But we move on to Division II, Region 8. Mostly Cincinnati schools, a little Lima mixed in. Dayton area schools also accounted for. There are a total uh 25 teams. And 16 make the playoffs. This is the point where you're going to see more teams miss the playoffs. Not more teams than not. Because I don't think there's any division or region that has that. But you get what I'm saying. There's only a handful that's going to miss in Division 1. And for Division 2 onwards, you're going to see a lot more teams out of the race. So Division 2, Region 8. You have LaSalle on top, 4-0. According to OHSAA points, the loss to IMG Academy does not count in the points. Kings 5-0, right behind the LaSalle Lancers. Piqua, another great start for the Indians this year. 4-0 for Piqua. Taze Valley in Nashville, that's south of Columbus. They're in fourth. throw, a 5-0 record. First time in quite some time that throw is undefeated at this point. I think 2003 Was the last time the Tigers were undefeated. Followed by 7th place, Lima Sr. at 3-1. Troy is 3-2 in 8th place. And nine through 16 are Anderson 3-2. Tecumseh 3-2. 3-2, Witten Woods. Edgewood at 2-2. Xenia's at 3-2 with Stebbins. 15th place is Belmont, who's 1-2 at the moment. And 16th place, 2-4, Sydney and the Yellow Jackets. Further on through Little Miami, just outside the playoff bubble, followed by Columbus Briggs, Talawanda one and three, Loveland one and four, Harrison one and three, Fairborn zero and four, Franklin Heights and Columbus zero and three, Columbus West is zero and five, and West Carrollton at the bottom at zero and four. So you have four zero for teams in Region Eight, Division Two, and now we move on to Division Three, Region Twelve. Hamilton-Baden leads this region at 5-0. Tippecanoe, not far behind, 5-1. Bellbrook, 3-2. They're in third place. Monroe, 4-1, followed up with the Golden Eagles. Lima-Shawnee, 4-1 in fifth place, followed by 3-1 Ross. 3-2 Wapakoneta. And 3-2 St. Mary's Memorial. 9-16 through is Mount Healthy, Hughes, Franklin, Northwest. Shavano, Juliet, Elida in the Lima area. Bishop-Fenwick. And Archbishop Alter tied with Fenwick at 2-3. And, and past the playoff line, you have Dunbar, Caro, Ponix, New Richmond, Aiken, Vandalia Butler, Greenville, Cincinnati Woodward, Salina, Goshen, and Trotwood-Masson. I don't know if I ever thought I'd see the day where Trotwood-Masson is 0-4. Not in football, that's just... The losses for Trotwood Masson. Week one, that was a dandy of a game, falling at Wittenwood's Woods 18 to nothing. And then week two, that was really surprising to me, falling to Kettering Fairmont on the road 35 to nothing. Trotwood Masson normally makes G Walk schools into chop lither. Liver, even. Not sure what lither is, but there you go. It's a new meal no one wants. Yeah, normally Trauma-Masson has a way with G-Walk schools, but Fairmont not only shut them out, but won convincingly in Kettering. The game against Springfield was called off. I believe COVID was the reason. That was a home game, supposed to be the first home game of the year for trauma Madison. And then the Rams fell just by a point at Harrison, 29-28. Then following up with throw, 25-0. And the next... Five matches, four of the five will be home at home Sweet Trotwood Madison High School. Belmont opponents next week at Dunbar, then at home against LaSalle and Thurgood Marshall. So there's some doozies in this schedule for Trotwood Madison. It's not just a cupcake schedule like that team in Columbus has. But, I mean, look, LaSalle Wenton woods. Harrison, they're one and three, but they're not too shabby. And all but three of these battles are oh, in higher divisions as well, which I still can't believe. Trauma Madison's division three. I thought they'd be division two, but I I don't I don't know about that. The other three you have Pontiac second Dunbar in three twelve, and then Thurgood Marshall's in four sixteen. So I don't think Trouba Madison goes zero ten or zero um Excuse me, 0-9, rather, because Springfield got canceled again. But, yeah, that's a big shocker to me. Tropwood masson at the bottom, and no wins after Week 5. So that closes out Region 12. Time to head to Division 4, Region 16. Big surprise, the Eaton Eagles are soaring over everyone. 5-0 record for Eaton. And the best current average points at 11.4616. That's over two points cleared of second place Wyoming. I think that's the best result for a Preble County high school football team. Try to think what Preble Shawnee has. And they are not in Division 4 like I thought they were. Mm. Well, we'll find out in a moment. I think Preble Shawnee might have an undefeated record, maybe four and one. We'll find out soon. But yeah, Eaton. What a run they had. there! also the WDTN Operation Football Team of the Week. So definitely a lot of fun to see my home county teams do well. Second place, the Wyoming Cowboys. They're always strong. They're 5-0 on the year. Archbishop McNicholas, 5-0, 2 in third place. Waverly, that's in Southern Ohio. The Tigers are 4-0. Graham, 3-1. A couple years back, Graham football. Normally towards the bottom, but it's nice to see the Falcons on top. Greenfield-McLean, 4-0 in 6th place. Clinton-Massey in 7th place, 3-1, along with Bethel-Tate. And that's your top eight. The bottom eight making the playoffs. Milton-Union, 4-1. Valley View, 3-2. One of the two losses were to Milton-Union, who's ahead. The other one going to Ross. Taylor at 3-2, along with 3-2 Hillsboro, 2-2 Washington Courthouse, Washington. Oakwood, 2-3. Northridge, 3-2. And in 16th place, 4-1, Waynesville. Again, if you're wondering why Waynesville has the better record than most of the teams I read off, it's due to points and who you're playing. So outside the bubble, you have Kenton Ridge at 3-2, Schroeder 2-2, Indian Hill 1-4. I don't think I would expected Indian Hill and the Braves to be that far down after five weeks. Batavia 1-3, Norwood 1-4. Unito out of Shilla Coffee, 1 and 4. And 0 and 5, Northwestern, Thurgood Marshall, and Urbana. So, yeah, that's, I tell you, Division 4, Region 16 is probably one of my favorites. Not like I don't like covering Division 1, no. But, you know, being an alum of Valley View, you know, that's the main experience I had. And yeah, these are teams that can really put a hurting on you. Clinton Massey up there, Wyoming, and, and Eaton having a great year. I mean, dynamite. Now for Division 5, Region 18. Yes, this is not Region 20. Normally, your last regions of a division will be Cincinnati-Dayton area, but there are some area teams we talk about, so we're going to go ahead and run through them. Division 5, Region 18. How do you say that? Togany, Osego, they're 5-0. They're tops. Pemberville, Eastwood, also 5-0. Ottawa, Glandorf, 3-2 in third place, along with Indian Lake. 4-1 North Union, along with Liberty Benton and Elmwood are all 4-1. Elira Catholic is, excuse me, not Elyra. Um, hmm. Ilya? Catholic, I think that's how you said. It's not Lyra. I don't know why I was thinking. That's your top eight, though. In the bottom eight, Chippewa, Lima Bath, Genoa area, Winford, Lakota. This is not Lakota East, Northwest. This is Kansas, Ohio, Lakota. Yes, there were two Lakotas once upon a time. At least I think. Brooklyn, Oak Harbor, and Marion Pleasant. Behind the bubble is Benjamin Logan at two and three. Apple Creek, Wayndale, 2-3. Millbury Lake at 2-3. Fairview Park, Fairview. West Salem, Northwestern. Fostoria, Orville, Swanton, and Willard. Now on to Region 20, same Division, 5. And Marymount leads the way. And yes, Preble Shawnee is 5-0 as well. Let's double check. I don't think the Arrows and the Eagles play each other since, you know. And they do not. Back looking at the schedule, that's the toughest one I see is Arcanum, but it's at Preble Shawnee. More on that in a little bit. But Marymont 4 and 1, and the points by 1.4 over Preble Shawnee. Brookville 4 and 1, right behind the arrows. Madeira, 4 and 1, Reading 4 and 1. Summit Country Day in sixth place, 2 and 2. Versailles 4 and 1. And Roger Bacon rounds up the hosts for week 11. And the bottom eight, you have Purcell, Marion, Springfield, Shawnee, Carlisle, Taft, East Clinton, Meadowdale, Williamsburg, and Greenan at 2-2. Two two. Behind the bubble is 2-2 two two, Claremont, Northeastern, Finneytown, Blanchester, Madison Plains, West Liberty, Salem 1-3. You know how much I talked about a big surprise with Trotwood, Madison's winless? Well, West Liberty, Salem 1-3, and three. that's also a big surprise. Bethel 0-5, Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy. Another big surprise at 0-4. 0-4, Clark Montessori, Middletown Madison, and North College Hill. Onwards to Division 6, Region 24. And Coldwater leads the way. And Coldwater only up by a little under .2 points over Mechanicsburg. Arcanum right there, too. And all five of those teams—the Cavaliers, the Indians, and the Trojans—five and zero. Again, Bad Preble Shawnee is going to be a big, big game. Fourth place is Allen East at three and two. Gamble Montessori is four and one. Anna three and two. Springfield Northeastern four and one. Great year for the Jets so far. And Paint Valley in Bainbridge is three and two. And the traveling playoff teams: It's Fairbanks from Milford Center, Delphos Jefferson two and three, Cincinnati Country Day three and two, Fort Recovery Triad National Trail two and three, Deer Park and Miami East at two and three. Behind the playoff teams is Chillicothe, Huntington, Covington, Greenview, Frankfurt, adena Dixie, Dayton Christian, Minster Parkway, and Saint Bernard Elmwood Place. Dayton Christian, Minster Parkway, and St. Bernard Elmwood Place, all 0 for St. Bernard 0-3. Dayton Christian and Parkway 0-5. Minster 0-4. On to Division 7, Region 26. There's a couple of teams we talk about on here quickly through it. It's mostly Lima area teams. Bascom, Hopewell, Loudon is your top team in Seven Twenty Six at 5-0. Looks like the only undefeated team in this region. Followed by Eden. That's not Eaton. That's Edon. It's probably like. That's how you pronounce it. No, actually, I don't know. Edon is 4-1, along with Lima Central Catholic, Macomb, Ayersville, Upper Scioto Valley, Patrick Henry, and Crestview rounds up the top, eight. And 9-16 through is Hardin, Norvin, Waynesville, Goshen, Lepsick. Arlington, Spencerville, Antwerp, Lima, Perry, and Edgerton. Is that Edgerton or Egerton? It's one of those. They're in 16th place behind the bubble. Tiffin, Calvert, Pandora, Gibula, Ada, Sycamore, Mohawk. Not to be confused with Sycamore in Cincinnati, nor Bishop Sycamore. Insert your best Bishop Sycamore joke here. Huh? Arcadia, North Baltimore, Delpho St. John's, Corey Ralston, Hilltop, St. Joseph, Central Catholic, and Fremont, and Van Loo. And now to Region 28, Division 7, and the Marion Local Flyers flying high by about three points over Portsmouth, Notre Dame. Both those teams are 5-0, New Bremen, along with Fayetteville, Tri-Village, and Springfield Catholic Central, all four and one. Big surprise for Springfield Catholic Central. Past few years haven't been great for the Irish, but turned it around this year. Great 4-1 start for SCC. 7th place is Riverside 3-2 and, and Cincinnati College Prep, also at 3-2. 9-16, through 16, portsmouth Ville Community. Tri-County North, St. Henry, Troy Christian, Beaver Eastern, Fort Loramie. It's weird to see Fort Loramie at two and three. And Sonia and Miami Valley Christian Academy, who's sitting at two and three, which is very impressive considering the fact that Miami Valley Christian Academy pretty much had a fire that wiped out their entire football supplies and neighboring schools helped them out. So that's nice to see. That'd be nice. That would be a nice story if Miami Valley Christian Academy got in the playoffs. Behind the 16. Lachlan 1-3, and three. Southeastern Local, Franklin Furnace Green. That Franklin Furnace Red. New Miami, Ridgemont, My Twin Valley South Panthers 1-4. and four. They picked up their first win of the year against Mississinawa Valley, who is at the bottom of this list. Spoilers. Followed by Bradford, Cedarville, Hillcrest Academy in Cincinnati. Oh, normally I just say Hillcrest, not Hillcrest Academy. That's what threw me off for a minute. 0 5, Layman Catholic. That's a shocker. Manchester and Mississippi Valley. Bradford, Cedarville, Hillcrest Academy, Layman Catholic, Manchester, Mississippi Valley have no wins. Railroaders, Indians, and the Blackhawks 0 5, along with Layman Catholic and the Cavaliers. Manchester's only 0 2, and Hillcrest Academy is 0 3. And that is your entire spiel of Divisions 1 through 7 of local high school teams as the playoffs are lurking nearby. Again, something different because I didn't want to recap two weeks of scores, plus I didn't want to write them in my Word document. I know, I've gotten lazy. No, I haven't. I've just become a full-time stepdad, so that means take the kids to school, take them from school, and apparently take them with me to work this weekend since, you know, Mama Bear and my fiance works. So that'll be fun. Actually, it will be fun. I'm, you know, normally I don't talk sports to the girls because I'm afraid they don't like it. So there you go. So again, that's your top 16 teams and the teams out of the playoff bubble. You might have your own thoughts of why we're having so many teams in the playoffs. I like it. I think it's... Valuable experience. I'll tell you, once upon a time, there was just four teams in Ohio that made the playoffs. That was back in the 70s. But things have changed. So, yeah. High school football, still five weeks of regular season to go. And yours truly will be with the Princeton Vikings later tonight at Oak Hills. And I'll have the call for you on Flow Sports. Join me there. It's $19.99 per month or $150 a year. And you get all the Flow Sports library, not just Princeton Vikings football. You get everything. And I am broadcasting a lot for ESP. Can't thank Rob Ebel enough for the opportunity. But now it's time to change subjects about more local sports. Oh, Cincinnati Reds, you take my hopes, and you crush them down to size. Why, oh why, have you decided now is a good time to lose eight straight series, and in danger of losing this series at home, to the Washington Nationals? Why, oh, why? Mm. I'm going to go over the standings. This is wildcard standings because the Reds are unable to jump Milwaukee at this time. And to be quite frank, I don't think the Reds are able to jump the Philadelphia Phillies nor the St. Louis Cardinals at this point, but I digress. First off, your division leaders in the West, it is San Francisco. They have already locked a playoff spot, 99-54, one win from the century mark. That's impressive San Fran. Milwaukee not too shabby as well, the Brewers 91 and 62. And in the East it's Atlanta at 80 and 71. So now we look at the wild card in the NL. Los Angeles Dodgers, they have already locked that up, 98 and 55. And, yeah, one game back of the Giants. It's going to be a fun race to see who wins the NL West and who gets the wildcard spot. But the Dodgers are in as well. So that means there's one spot in the wildcard to go. And who is caught on fire? It's not the Reds. It's the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, that hurt my Cincinnati soul just saying that. But the Cardinals have won 12 straight games. 12 straight. 83 and 69 are the Redbirds. I thought they were left for dead, but they've caught up and they have stormed in the last wild card spot. 12 straight wins and it looks like there's no stopping the Cardinals. Currently the first team out, four and a half back of the last wild card spot, the Philadelphia Phillies. And five and a half out, There's Cincinnati. Well, Cincinnati, 12 games over 501 point. Now it's 78 and 75. You're trending the wrong way, Reds. Why do you choose this time? Ah. A half game back of the Reds are the San Diego Padres and the New York Mets still technically alive, but one more loss and pal go the Mets. They're 10 back and 73-79 overall. The team's eliminated from playoff contention altogether. Colorado, the Cubs, (laughs) Miami, Washington, Pittsburgh, Arizona. I like to put this into statement. Reds have had two series against Pittsburgh. Lost one in Pittsburgh, split at home. Really? That's what you choose to do? Lose a series to to second-to-last Pittsburgh? Oh. And I know, going 1-5 against Arizona, who is dead last, doesn't help, but that was when Arizona wasn't a complete dumpster fire. That's how I'm defending it. Just why, Reds? Why? Why is this the time to just start shutting down? And you can spin it like, oh, we're not spiring. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Oh, it is! It is so heartbreaking just to see what was so promising and I think as high as seventy percent chance to get into the playoffs just spindle down. Reds are in life support at this point. It all really started with the series against Detroit. That should be, you know, a must-win series. Reds took 1 out of 3. And then at Chicago, the Cubs are terrible. The Reds lost 2 out of 3. At the Cardinals, this is a tough series, but if you're going to make a playoff stand, this is the one to win. Reds lost that series. Okay, Pittsburgh Pirates, this is a team you should steamroll. You've been doing it all year. Lost 2 of 3. And then the Dodgers series, which I expect that the Reds lose, well, to be frank, all of them. Won the first game pretty nicely, but the second and third game, not so much. Again, the home series against Pittsburgh, that ended up being a split since the Wednesday afternoon game got rained out. And right now, down the series to Washington, one out of four. Reds need to win the next three. Reds need to win all the games. Let's be real. Oh, by the way, the Pittsburgh game that got rained out is now Monday at 110 instead of being an off day. I thought they had another series at Pittsburgh, but there you go. Then two at the White Sox. They have already clinched the AL Central and then three at Pittsburgh. Like I said, the Reds are on life support, but you just got to start hoping that the cards will cool off. But I don't know. I honestly don't know if the Reds can pull it off. Honest to goodness. And yeah, I can make the points that, hey, TJ Friedel is now a Cincinnati Red, which is awesome. He's just one of my favorite dragons of 2017. Dowry Moretta, he's really turned it around. He's pinned an ace out of the bullpen. It's just. uh, Why tease us, Reds? Why now, of all times? And the big news is David Bell. Extended through 2023. I personally don't mind David Bell. Yes, he makes stupid decisions, but what manager doesn't? That's all part of the whole spiel. You know, these managers don't have, you know, vision into the future. Like, hmm, if I pinch hit this guy here, then he's just going to, you know, into a triple play and then we lose down by, you know, 10 runs. You get what I'm saying? I mean, some of the decisions David Bell makes is questionable. And. If most of the coaching staff comes back, I I don't know how you keep Allen Center at this point. It's just you see the hitting isn't there. Just it's it's just it's saddening to see. But I don't blame David Bell through this mess. Not all of it's his fault. He just manages the teams that you know the organization gives him. And I know a lot of people are pointing fingers at Bob Castellini. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to look that way too. I mean, next year we have to have a bullpen with solid relievers, not just names of the past that were solid and now, you know, throw meatballs across the plate. No, you can't have that. Need good bullpen arms for next year. I hope that Castellanos comes back. He's heart and soul of the offense. And definitely would hate to see him gone. Especially if it's to another NL Central team. I think Castellanos loves Cincinnati, but I don't know. He wants to play for a championship. I don't blame him. So hopefully he'll come back. I mean, starting rotation, Luis Castillo has a slow start, but he's bounced back nicely. I mean, a very rough start, but then came around again. Sonny Gray, I mean, there was a stretch that was made out of glass think, what, three straight IL trips? Something like that. Uh, White, Miley, I don't know if he's coming back, but, you know, he's been rock solid most of the year. I, I don't... There's not one area where the Reds need to focus on. Well, the bullpen, but... At the same time, you know... I don't know. Bell has... A 184 and 190 record in Cincinnati. And with eight games remaining, he's now 78 and 76 this year. No, excuse me. I'm one game off. 78, 75. I remember what I said in the standings with eight games remaining. Kroll said he's done a great job with the team we've had now. That is Nick Kroll, who's the GM, took over. A season ago. I think it's just natural it'll be leading us forward. We made the playoffs last year, had a good run this year, and still have a chance. We got a guy in the spot that knows how to run a major league clubhouse on a dugout. I feel he's the right guy moving forward. Last year, Reds went 31 29 in the abbreviate season thanks to COVID and made the wildcard series before being swept in two games at Atlanta. Because of payroll reductions in the offseason, the Reds weren't predicted to be contenders in 2021, but battled hard all season. So, yeah, you can look at it that way, but if you're battling this hard, you know, you can't just falter in the end and just like, well, you know, we didn't have money, so there you go. So, keep in mind, you know, this is a team that hasn't had Trevor Bauer, thank goodness. All the crap he's done, you know, he's going to get the book thrown at him, and rightfully so, if he's guilty of what he's done. Anthony DiScolfani leaving as a free agent, which, you know, at the time I wasn't terribly upset because he was on again, off again, on, off, on, off. Also, Nick Senzel hasn't played most of the year. TJ Antome, he's out. A e- Eugenio Suarez, this is definitely his worst pro season. Hopefully, he doesn't have the same start in 2022. Uh, Mike Mustakas he hasn't been the same. He's been hurt a lot. But we've seen Jonathan India take off. Tyler Naquin really shine in his role. Kyle Farmer, Joey Votto has had a resurgence this year, which has been great to see. I mentioned Castellanos and Jesse Winker when he's been healthy. They've been strong as well. I still think Jose... A Barrero is the future at short, but we'll see how that goes there. It's just tough to see how well the Reds are doing and just have it collapse like that. So likely to return pitching coach Derek Johnson, which I still like. I think he's done a nice job. Freddie uh, Benavides, he was the first manager in Dayton Dragons history for those that like, you know, stuff like that. Alan Zinter, which uh, there's a lot of people calling for his head before 2021, and I think those calls might be starting up again. Delano DeShield Sr., he's the first base coach. J.R. House at third, bullpen coach Lee tunnel, and game planning coach Jeff Pickler, assistant hitting coach Joe Mather, assistant pitching coach Eric Yeagers, and assist- associate coach Rolando Valles, and assistant coach Christian Perez, Christian Excuse me. So it doesn't look like any of the coaches are going to lose their jobs, but there is another story I have to share. And this one, this one affects the dragons and all the farm system of the Reds. This story got me a little angry because um, I honestly like the work that this gentleman did in short time. Kyle Bodie. You might know him as the minor league pitching coordinator and now he's gone. He said that there was a lot of things that couldn't see eye to eye with the organization, which I think is not great. Also CJ Gilman part off as well. So now the Reds are going to hire a hitting coordinator, director of pitching coordinator and SR director PD. Because that was Eric Lee, and apparently he's gone too. So these were two hires, Kyle Bodie and CJ Gilman by Dick Williams when he was still president of baseball ops. And Bodie's an announcement when he parted ways with Cincinnati. He thanked both Williams and Eric Lee for taking the chance of moving the Reds player development department in a new direction. Both were instrumental in affecting enormous change. Reds' farts system, I think's what, 10th? Which, that's good. Reds are normally towards the bottom of the numbers. I think this is Baseball America. By the way, this article is from RedsMeyerLeagues.com. It is Doug Gray with the article. So, Dick Williams' Eric Lee left last year on their own. Both Bodie and Gilman know in the parting ways that the organization is going in a different direction of development. But it seems incredibly clear that the front office under Dick Williams and the front office under Nick Kral see things quite differently. And this is a shame, too, because Bodie and Gilman were hired before 2020 season was supposed to start. But, of course, that never happened. So those guys only got one year to show what their plans were. Uh, I hate it. (laughs) I, I don't think there's any way I can sell this off in a positive spin. I hate it. Just one year trying to turn minor league baseball in a different direction. And you're already butting heads saying, no, we want it this way. Just no. Now, towards the bottom of the article... Continually, for the sake of continuity, is dumb. If it's not working, sticking with it to keep continuity going makes zero sense. But, seemed like things were on the up and up for Cincinnati. And now, back to the drawing board. I, I I'm pretty upset on that. I didn't see a lot of people chime in on this. Although, looking at the comments underneath the article... This is stunning and unbelievably disheartening, let alone bizarre in its timing during a wild card chase. How bad was it that they couldn't wait a few more weeks? Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I don't know. The reality is, this is another comment that the average Reds fan has no idea about these moves nor cares. Which, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, you come out, and you watch the Reds, and that's it. But for those that actually follow, along with stats and everything, such as myself, because, you know, media, it's just, uh, I, I love to know what happened behind the scenes that, you know, both bolted before the season concluded. And this was during the last week of the Dragon season as well, which we'll step aside and talk about next. So I'm sorry to say, the Dayton Dragons did not make the playoffs, made a heck of a run towards the end, and for the first time this season, swept an opponent in six games. The closest the Dragons got to was the season opener at Great Lakes, winning five of six. Although that uh, sixth game, the uh, loss, little iffy on Great Lakes' part. They pulled the Chicago Cubs and said, Oh, we can't play in this rain. Oh, we're going to play anyway. No, we're not. Game's over. We win. Ha <laughs> But I digress. The Dayton Dragons season has ended. And Dayton finishes the co-East Division Champs of the High A Central with Lake County at 65-55. and 55, Two games better than Great Lakes. Lansing finishes in a tie for four for West Michigan, 58-62 for the Lugnuts and the Whitecaps. And Fort Wayne falls to sixth place, 54-66, a tough year for the Caps and 11 back of Dayton Lake County. So this year, you might know playoffs are different. It doesn't matter which division you are. If you have the best and second best record, you're in the playoffs. Everyone else take a hike. And unfortunately for Dayton, during Saturday's win, the Cedar Rapids Colonels won the game, and that allowed them to hold on to the last playoff spot for good. It is a tough uh, way to falter as Dayton finishes sixty-six and fifty-five. Excuse me, sixty-five and fifty-five on the year. Dayton won the last game five to three. Juan Martinez had a go-ahead three-one home run, and Matt McLean in the first inning had a two-run inside the park home run. Those are very rare to see. Spencer Stockton, who has bounced around between starting and relief role, picked up the win with four scoreless innings. Came in in the third inning, I believe. So, unfortunately, no playoffs for the Dayton Dragons. But a good season. A season 10 games over 500. That's something to be proud of. And Juan Moreno, unless he chooses not to come back, he should be back. So it should be the same manager core coming into 2022. And hopefully I can tell you some of the stats for the Dayton Dragons by all the players. Mario Bautista, he only played in 36 games, but has the 257 average. Why is he on top then? Because that's not the top average. Oh. Oh. I beg your pardon. It's alphabetical order. That would make no sense. <sighs> Jacob Hernabes had a great year, 283. This is a gentleman in his first year in pro baseball, coming from Army West Point. No home runs ever in his baseball career, and unfortunately, he doesn't hit one in Dayton. Does have 12 doubles and three triples, though. The Dayton team hit 246 as a club, and the opponents hit 224. This is a Dragons team that had 206 doubles, 24 triples, and 86 home runs, led with Quinn Cotton's 10. Also, 41 RBIs is the most hit by a Dragon this year. Of course, you can't forget the blistering start by Brian Ray in the beginning. Played 13 games for Dayton, then got the call-up to AA Chattanooga. He finishes with a 423 batting average in Dayton, so, again, a lot of positives on the offensive side. Some, not so much. Uh, Francisco has definitely a positive. Uh, 67 games, 333 batting average. This is a gentleman that had 82 hits and 246 at-bats. This dude could hit. He was the real deal. And it's great to see him get a shot in Chattanooga. We move on to pitching. Staff ERA of 4.45 in The 65-55 and record. This is a Dragons team with 36 saves on the year. There's a lot of players, so bear with me. Five saves is the most. It was Braxton Roxby, the slider dazzler. This is a gentleman that lives by the off-speed stuff. That's his bread and butter. And that's why he was picked up by Cincinnati to go to the Cincinnati Reds. Again, 65 wins, the most on the year. Looks like Pedro Garcia in the bullpen had seven. And right behind him, Noah Davis had six wins. And three of those were Dayton. So that was with SPO, I guess, spring training, I guess. So, yeah, it was a good year for Dayton. It does not end in the eighth trip to the playoffs for Dayton. But, hey. There's a lot to be excited about, and I can't wait to see what the 2022 staff looks like in terms of the coaching staff, because I think all of them are back, and plus the new Dragons that will come in. I think some of them that we saw late will be back, Uh, like Matt McClain. I think he'll get a start in Dayton and then possibly move up to Chattanooga, depending on how well he does for Dayton. Alan Serta. He hit 273 in his 21 Dayton games. You could say he might go up to Chattanooga. I think he'll start in Dayton, though. Quentin Cotton, I think he's done enough to get the call up. Maybe starting in Dayton again. Uh, The the one I really want to see is Reese Hines. That dude can hit. He's mashing all along in Daytona. Well, was mashing around the season's over. In fact... The seasons are complete for Chattanooga, who finished 58-54. Dayton 65-55, that is the best mark out of all the teams, 10 over 500. Daytona went 60-60. The ACL Reds, 33-26, and the DSL Reds went 24-22, but their season isn't complete. In fact, they play in about 45 minutes. Louisville looks like they have an off day coming up. And they're currently 51-68. and 68. When is the last time the Louisville Bats had a winning record? I think when they were still known as the River Bats. I think. So there you go. Yes, a tough, tough year f- missing the playoffs like that. But you got to feel pretty, pretty happy about how the Dragons did this year. Again, Reese Hines, he went... 259 on the season, 12 home runs, and 54 games for the Tortugas. And yeah, so it looks like the Reds won't make the playoffs. And it also looks like none of the other other farm teams will make the playoffs as well. And that will do it for our First episode in two weeks here on the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. Yes, I know. Need to talk about the Bengals, and we will next week. I promise you. Next week, we'll talk about the Bengals' first three games. A victory, an overtime victory over Minnesota. A loss at Chicago, but Joe Burrow did make it interesting in the end. And against the heated rival Pittsburgh Steelers, Lord, please prevent the Steelers from shoving Joe Burrow when he's clearly out of bounds towards the benches. K okay, thanks, bye. Yeah, I wasn't happy about that. also remember last year, the win over Pittsburgh at home it was Ryan Finley with the victory, not Burrow, because that was a couple weeks after his season was ended in Washington. You know, I like to tell you the offensive line has improved, but Burrow is still getting hit a lot. And I don't know how much the offensive line has really improved. It's that wave of cautiously optimistic and worrying for Burrow's life if he's going to get hurt again like he did at Washington last year. I do worry about that, but you know what? The Spangles, to me, it warrants the enthusiasm. I think there have been improvements made. The defense is pretty good. And back-to-back games, only allowing, uh, what would that be, 44 points? So, yeah, that sounds like a lot, but, hey, I mean, at least they're in these games. I think the offense, definitely with Jamar Chase, man, that connection from Burrow, silky smooth. And, yes, I know, I was on Team Sewell to help the offensive line, but I never said I hated Chase. I never said that in this podcast. If you can find that segment where I said it, then you have chopped up my podcast to, you know, make it say that I said that because I've never said that. Pretty much I was a little sad, but I was happy because Chase he definitely adds that element of a breakout wide receiver, which is something I think the Bengals needed for quite some time since AJ Green was never fully healthy with Burrow. So I I like it. I definitely love it now. A couple touchdowns for Chase on the air. But there's still work to be done. So again, we'll talk about that next week. Hopefully, maybe Monday, if everything goes according to plan. We'll cover the football scores for week six. And we'll talk then. Because hopefully, I will get on some type of schedule where I can actually get this podcast out. Because again, it's a shame that Dayton Radio doesn't see fit to cover Dayton sports just that team in Columbus which by the way nice job struggling with Tulsa there and Akron a nighttime game Woo! you're really you know what when's the last time Akron has done anything in football let's take a look real quick like I said we don't cover that team in Columbus if you want that team in Columbus go listen to everyone else in Dayton
0: 1981 was the first year for football. What did that say? And why
1: am I going to Akron's site? I probably should just go to Wikipedia. 1891. Okay. Let's go to Wikipedia because maybe they'll have the records. Zips overall, 507, 524, and 36. This is not bashing Akron. This is saying that the schedule for that team at Columbus is so weak. It is not funny. I will say Akron played for a division championship in 2017. That's a lot further back than I remember, but lost to Toledo 45-28. That was the last time the Zips made a bull. Terry Bolden was the head coach, the of Tom Bull, and falling to Florida Atlantic 50-3. Is that the year that uh, Lane Kiffin was there? Uh, no, I'm, no, I guess that's Florida Atlantic. I'm thinking Florida International for some reason. And it looks like there are no records through. Yeah, Akron hasn't been good in quite some time. Just to tell you that. But, you know, there you go. That's the most we'll talk about that team in Columbus ever. Because we're not a That Team in Columbus podcast. There's 10 trillion of those out there. And local media covers that team in Columbus like there's no teams in Dayton, which is a shame. But that will do it before I get more on a tangent there. Don't like tangents. I just like talking about local sports as this is episode 220 here on the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. My name's Lee W. Mallon. Don't forget to check out Sindaypod.com and follow me on Twitter at the Lee W. Mallon. That's where I'm at most of the days. And we will talk to you again for the next episode.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. Be sure and bookmark Sindaypod.com, the official website of the local Sunday Sports Podcast. From there, you can find your favorite way of listening to future episodes on platforms such as Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, TuneIn, Pandora, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and more.